And it's the same thing with painting where an experienced painter knows how to edit. Edit down. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Editing. Because, you know, when I was a kid, like, my paintings were kind of a bunch of colors all over the place. Sure. And then you kind of you kind of learn how to edit down. That's such a difficult thing to do. Yeah. How to edit your own work. Elegance and simplicity. Yeah. And that's extremely, extremely difficult. Welcome to Pancom Podcast. Boop! I'm Nick Jimenez. I'm joined, as usual, but not like last time. Welcome back to Petey the Dog. Follow Petey the Dog on Instagram at P E A T Y the Dog. Stay Petey tuned the dog. for Petey's OnlyFans. That's right. Petey will be on OnlyFans, and the highest tier gets the steamiest stuff on OnlyFans. <laughs> uh, joined as usual by eighth grade basketball MVP, yeah. Chef, yeah. and current exhibit of the moment <laughs> uh, with the cornrows. Yeah. Uh, Thank you, everybody. Michael it's a pleasure ben to be Trang. here. Uh, I'm just so elated to be with you, Nick. Mike has had a day. Once again. Uh, no, we haven't had a day. The day wasn't like that bad. I'm sorry. Yeah. I don't want to let you no, give you fine, the opportunity fine. to do intros. I, the day wasn't that bad. It's just the last 30 minutes. I just right. wanted to throw people off a bridge. But it's well, fine. you know, sometimes you got to do that. Uh, we are joined by Kiki Valdez, uh, Kiki and I have known each other since at some point when I was in college. So somewhere between 05 and 09 we met. I think um, probably 2006. 2006. Pro- that sounds right. Yeah. Did uh, we meet? It would have been through Raices somehow. But d- I wonder if I actually met you in Miami or at like Harvard. I think or... we met at one of the conferences at a, at a Cuba related conference. Yeah. Uh, and Is it so Harvard? Yeah. Oh, wow. No, Princeton. Princeton. Harvard. It was, no, yeah. still, I'm yeah. saying, dropping big names. Harvard. No, I mean, it, it could have been Harvard. It could no, have been no, the Princeton. The Princeton. The Princeton. Been, no, yeah. I didn't go to the Princeton. One. Oh, okay. Yeah, then, I, I, I went to. I don't think I went to the Harvard one either. I went to the Penn one. I went to the Miami one, and Duke. I don't remember where we met, but yeah, it's in been any a while. case, yeah. yeah, we we know each other through Cuba things. Uh, Kiki and I. Th- there's no way for me to give like a decent introduction here, but I just want to kind of set things up because you are a man of eclectic experiences. Uh, Kiki has for a long time been a painter. Thank you, by the way, Kiki, for hooking us up with some paintings that you brought, brought over. gifts, man. Yeah, yeah. No one gifts. brings fucking gifts. Do. Some people bring gifts. Gifts are becoming more and more common. Recently, I was really open for a sandwich, man. Yeah. Well, you know, Just what are you going to do? Super drop the ball. I mean, you guys. I would have you know. settled for a hot date. <laughs> no, I mean, you guys invited me, you know, and they're not like big paintings. They're, you know, no, still, I don't know. It's like yeah. anything. You could have. Draw me a post. Yeah. I would have been like, that's very cool. No. Thank you. I mean, this no. is a major enhancement to my art collection. <laughs> no, that's yeah. the whole point, man. And yeah. it'll actually be my second Kiki Valdez item because I believe that I won a sketch in a raffle once. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And I have, and we need to talk later because I have a second sketch that uh, we'll talk later. Okay. I have, yeah, a se- we'll talk. I have a second sketch that the whole thing was that you sent it because I was going to uh, auction it for charity. That's right. This is so long ago. Okay. Yeah, uh, it was. And I didn't because the charity disappeared. That's fine. And I did a bad job. But. I want to figure out with you what Cuba-related thing will auction that. Okay. Okay. So, Kiki's a painter. Kiki also, at some point in the time that I knew him, started a uh, uh, platform called OpenZine, which, if you are familiar with zine culture, which we can get into, because Mike and I, I only vaguely know about it. You discovered the existence of zines somewhat recently through Peter Santamaria. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. But Kiki sort of, like, created a platform that digitized that niche culture. Uh has done a bunch of things, and most relevant to the food world is uh, a co-founder of Abuela Mami. Abuela Mami, uh, which 
many people in Miami know uh, for what I think is probably best described as like Cuban American care packages. Yeah, that you guys put yeah. together and your coffee brand. <laughs> right. Uh, so that's a lot of things. So I think, many things. Mike, I, I'll let you drive the bus, but tell me how much to step in. It's a uh, huge bus. It's a big bus. There's it's a lot of people. There's bus. a lot. Of, there's this a lot of kikis on this bus. A lot of. I mean, there's a lot of different things to talk about. Where do Where do we even start? So, I, I think the trajectory, right? Like, let's talk about like from your your professional life, if and wherever you think that's that draws from earlier. But uh, w- would you say that that begins with you as an artist? Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's all related to art. Like, I don't, you know, I do these other things because it's like another way of expressing myself. You know, like you're a chef. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure there's times where you you know you want to pick up a guitar and or play the drums or do something I, else. Actually, my instrument is the harmonica, but yes. Yeah. Well, he was telling me that you know you guys are starting to do apparel and stuff like that. This so, is one of them. Exactly. Yeah. I so, started this like nine, like ten, oh, ten years ago now. Yeah, but it's that whole thing of creativity. So for me, it's always been okay. I love painting. It's something I do, but there's always like always new ways to express yourself, you know, and it's. Might not always appear that way, but for me, I mean, it's always the creative process. You can always find the creative process in anything. I think. Yeah. So when you got your start painting, yeah, what, what did that look like? Because I, I know that even just the things that I'm aware of, you've kind of gone through a number of distinct periods in what you were painting. Yeah, I, I mean, I've I've always painted. Uh, you know, went to school, did all that. Uh, went to art college, did all that. You know, I, I, I you know, I did the whole. But I guess what you know career painters artists should do and i did that and then uh when i finished college i moved back to miami started painting uh but then i realized like no galleries did not care about like what i was doing it's just you know it's it's uh there's gatekeepers you know so then um i started painting at nightclubs and i noticed that the 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 promoters would pay the artist to paint cool so like hey come to my party paint and i'm like great i paint pretty quick so I would set up a big canvas and put a spotlight, and then I just start painting, and I would get paid. So I was working in like the nightclub business for like two years, just painting at nightclubs. That's cool. Thanks to our sponsor Estrella Dam, the beer brand has brought its month-long Estrella Dam Culinary Journey program, which is running April one through April thirtieth, twenty twenty-one, at more than forty participating restaurants all over Miami. Each offering gastronomic experiences curated by chefs, and paired with Estrella Dam, the beer of Barcelona. I recommend going to maybe Café Cush, maybe Café La Trova, all the cafes, do all the cafes, have the Estrella Dam culinary journey, have a beer, enjoy it. This time around, sharing your Estrella Dam culinary journey experience on Instagram could win you a two-night stay for two at Little Palm Island Resort in the Florida Keys. Nick, tell them what they'll get. You'll get a two-night stay in luxury accommodations for two, daily breakfast for two, five-course chef-tasting experience for two, one additional dinner experience for two, and complimentary resort recreation, including kayaking, paddleboarding, Boston Whalers, and Hobie Cat. All you got to do is take a picture, post a hashtag, and look at all the things you get. This is it. You've made it. Here's how it works. First, snap a picture of your meal together with your Estrella Dam and post it on Instagram between April 1st and April 30th. Second, tag the restaurant and include hashtag Estrella Dam Journey in the caption. 
That's it. The more photos you upload, the more chances you have to win. For more information about participating restaurants and details on Vacation Giveaway, visit EstrellaDamJourney.com. While you're at it, follow EstrellaDam on Instagram at, you guessed it, EstrellaDam. That's with two M's. Two M's, everyone. Yeah, did that. Like, how many pieces would you paint a night? One, like one big one. Oh, one big one. Yeah, like, uh, I I, I used to paint at, uh, you remember Pearl, Nikki Beach, uh, what's this other place? Uh, Bed Nightclub, The oh, Forge. Man. I remember I sold a painting at The Forge. I was like, the paint was still wet, and the guy's like, I want to buy it, you know? Oh, so that helped me because it, make, it made me, like, meet a lot of people very quickly and kind of, like, in an un- unconventional way, you know what I mean? And then with that, you know, I was an art teacher for a while, and then uh, Nick mentioned that we started a, a blogging platform called OpenZine.com. So it's basically a way to blog, but you can kind of put more style to your blog posts. And we did that, and we got invited to TechCrunch 50 in, um, in San Francisco to present it. Cool. And uh, we met guys from Facebook. They stole some of our ideas, but that's like a whole other story. Facebook stole ideas? Yeah. That's a shocker. Yeah. Old I, I could say it confidently because one of the top guys from Facebook was like, here's my contact. I really like this, what you're doing. He was saying like a specific thing, and it was what they ended up using. Are you not able to say it's just I, I don't care. Nice sure. work, Zuck. Um, but the the, the tech part mo- comes more from like my, my that's a collaboration I do with my brother. My brother comes more from a tech background, but we collaborate on that. And then um, OpenZine, we were trying to depend on ads from Google, but Google wouldn't pay very well. So we decided to create another platform called OwnZ.com, which was the same kind of system of blogging, and that one was a subscription-based system. So we were doing that for a while and then, you know, that kind of ran its course. And then we moved back to Miami because we were up in New York, New Jersey area. And then uh, one day my brother and I were talking. We're like, we want to start a subscription, but what can we do it with? And I was like, Cuban stuff. And he was like, yeah, that's what I was thinking. I'm like, we're like in the middle of Miami. Hialeah's right there. We can get a lot of stuff for wholesale. A lot of the, the brands are here. So we decided to start like a like a nostalgia Cuban care package and we put it out right in December I remember posting like on Facebook uh, hey look there's this really cool like subscription box I was acting like I wasn't I wasn't a part of it and we named it after my abuela abuela mommy we posted it and went viral so you would call your abuela abuela mommy yeah yeah it's named after her I was always I always wondered where that came from I thought it was more like a Miami thing like mommy nah yeah that's (laughs) what people think that yeah and then it just went it just went gangbusters and uh, just That's from nice. us, yeah, it just went nuts. And yeah. we've been doing that for over five years. And the coffee's been for about two years. And yeah. it's just, man, you know how it is, man. It's just like bootstrap. Right. You know, bootstrapping it, taking it one day at a time. So what is the, at, at what point do you go from uh, the subscription box? And I'm sure we'll get into the art stuff. Uh, but from the subscription box to having your own coffee brand and like what what is that I think we're like so we're fast forward there's a lot happening so many things have happened quickly can we go back <laughs> to the very beginning here I mean the beginning I just wanted to like when did you start painting like when when was there like a love and a passion for painting like why why I, I've always why I don't know I remember when I was I go back to like me as a child as a kid I used to draw and paint like a lot and I was like whatever okay at it but then it like 
stopped. I just didn't love doing it. So when did you decide that it was like, I love doing this. I want to do this forever. I think it was, I always enjoyed doing it, you know, like when we're little kids, like every little kid colors and stuff. And I was doing, and then, you know, I got into kindergarten and then it started, I started feeling like, um, competitive. So that young. Yeah. Kindergarten. Yeah. Fuck, how old are we in kindergarten? Like four? Five. Five. five, Yeah. Fuck. So I got, I felt like I was getting competitive with people in kindergarten because I was like, I started meeting people in class and like, this girl draws better than me. Yeah. Fuck that. You know, I got to, you know, got to pick it up. Yeah. So it it, it just started like that. Just doing it and liking it and then thinking you want to do like cartoons and then thinking you want to do comic books. And then as you get older, you're like, I just want to kind of express how I feel and how I like a certain feeling that I get when I look at paintings Yeah, yeah. and like oh, I how it. I felt when I was like 18, when I go to a museum, I want to kind of create that same feeling for other people. What was like a first, the first piece you remember when you were a kid that you were like, wow, you know, this, this doesn't suck. Like this is good. Cause I'm, I'm assuming like when you're a kid, you're not really creating as much as you're copying. Probably like when I would, when other kids, I never felt like I did something. I'm like, I'm happy. It was right. it was more of like people were running up to me and asking me to draw something. That's cool. I think that's how it starts for a lot of because it feels like it's not like your family saying, "Oh, you do." It's more like other people are, are complimenting you and they want something. Were you into comics or anything like that? Yeah, yeah, still am. Did you did you like? Were was there any characters comic book wise that you would draw or paint on a regular basis? Uh, I loved uh, drawing um, the X Men, oh, yeah. uh, Ninja Turtles. And I was, draw. like, really into, like, drawing, like, horror stuff. Oh, really? Yeah. One of my favorite things to draw when I was younger was Gambit. Yeah, that was, that was, Gambit. yeah, Gambit it was, was tough, always. Though, but it was, you know. Yeah, it was a challenge. I, I don't think I would ever get past, like, the shoulders and, like, with yeah. the, the trench coat. Right. I always thought that was a good option for a movie that no one has actually done. No, they, they. Gam- Gambit. They would probably fuck it up, too, but I think it would be a good I think movie. they were trying to get that guy. What's his name? Um, uh, the guy that was in G.I. Joe, the main guy that played Duke. Oh, uh, oh yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. They, they were, I, they were in talks for him to be Gambit, but nah, I don't, nah, know, I don't I'm know. not with that. Nah, nah, nah I'm not with it. Nah. Anyways, so comics, drawing comics, and then around what age did you start to like? When did you go for, or was it always early that you just went straight into paint, or were you going like stencil drawing? It was always drawing, drawing, drawing. yeah, and, and then like, later painting. But it was always, you know, pen, paint, like painting's pencil, always pencil painting with shade. Yeah, pen, uh, pencil, pencil, pen. Drawing, sorry. Yeah, pencil, pen, whatever. You know, I remember. Um, okay, so around the time I was like eleven years old, I used to go to. Did you ever go to YNT? Oh, uh, the uh, YNT Records. Yeah, of course. I still. Well, I mean, I haven't gone when it was since before COVID, but yeah, the the old, the really old one on uh, Bird and Fifty Seventh. Yeah, I used to go in there, and there used to be zines in there. So we used to collect all the zines and stuff, and then I started writing to the zine people. And I used to do covers for zines when I was like 12 years old. Like, so I would do like these punk rock covers when I was like 14. That's cool. And I did a lot of those like in Sharpie, like real moody kind That's of stuff. Dope. And then from there, I, you know, I, I went to like an art magnet in like Perrine. Went, so I went to school in Perrine, always fighting and stuff. Because like, you know, back then they would bring in the buses. So they would get like kids from other neighborhoods, like white kids, and they bring them into the black neighborhoods and, you know, that, that whole thing. And uh, so we were like in a black neighborhood. So it was like a lot of, you know, fighting and turmoil. Yeah, a lot of turmoil. Turmoil. Yeah. So 
I'm gonna go back to the, the drawing thing because I'm I'm kind of fascinated about how the different mediums, like when you draw. Yeah. Because I'm like very big on I like to expedite and I like to write all my notes in pencil, which people yeah. think I'm like really nuts because I I walk around with a pencil sharpener and everything. Yeah. yeah. But it's like making that jump to go from like pencil drawing with the shade because it's so much easier than choosing to go like Sharpie or charcoal or like yeah. even pen. It's like such a different dynamic of change when you like when you look at that different types of artwork. It, right. For me, it was like I think that's when I stopped drawing when I was younger because I, I had such a hard time transitioning into something else. Right. That I was like, fuck it. I don't like this anymore. Um, I mean, I was like 12. I think I, you know, I started doing like Sharpie stuff when I was like preteen, teenager. Uh-huh. Uh, because like, I don't know, it just had like a really, you could do like, it was a really bold and, yeah. and at the time I was like really into punk and it was like, it was just a little bit more bold or more punk. It kind goes of along like, with that. Yeah. Yeah. So I did that. And then probably when I, around, when I reached high school, that's when I really started getting into like, like painting, like really like into painting. When you were younger, were there any artists, painters or whatever that you looked up to? Cause I think that the mind evolves at different points, right? So like. Um, maybe like a very old school painter or something that you wouldn't come to appreciate till you like later in your life. Um, when I was a kid, I had like a when I was in like fifth sixth grade, I had a teacher that came up to me with a postcard of uh, Jean Dubuffet, and she's like, "Oh, look at this artist!" And you know, I started looking at his work, and then when I was like in ninth grade, a lot of people said, "Oh, you need to check out Jean Michel Basquiat." When I was in, I was a freshman in like ninety six, so. So I started looking at Jean-Michel Basquiat and then, you know, I loved Keith Haring at the time. And uh, so, yeah, like I had a lot of my heroes were like the New York artists and stuff like that. And uh, yeah. And then, you know, it just kind of developed. And then before that, I was into like more of the Mad Magazine artists and stuff like that. Right. High school, like what was art like for you in high school? Uh, It was in downtown. So it was... A you, lot went of, to a, you went to, a, like, a specialty school for arts and stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a performing and visual arts high school. And basically, like, I think the last two and a half hours of school, you just work on your 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 craft of whatever you're doing. So you have a teacher. You'll do figure drawing or whatever or painting or from perspective. You learn all the basics and then art history. And, I mean, that was a whole, that was a whole experience, you know. Uh, I remember being, like, you know what, 15 and, like, suddenly getting, like, knots on my back from, like, all the stress of, like, grades and all that, where before that I never really cared, you know, and, uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was a tough time, and then all your friends live in other parts of, you know, it's, since it's downtown, we, I had friends in Hialeah, you know, I had friends in Kendall, I had friends in Miami Beach, North yeah, Miami everyone, Beach. like, the whole city traveled there right. to do their thing. So you really didn't see your friends. It was maybe till junior year when people start driving, where people start getting together and hanging out. Right. A lot more. And, uh, I mean, it was a great, great, like, experience being there. A lot of really great artists come from there, whether it's, like, you know, through film or, or the arts, painting or whatever. Cool. Yeah. All right. High school. <laughs> this is good. I, now, you see, now we have more backstory, Nick. We can now, we can yeah. talk about the conferences you all we went to. We can always work backwards. You know? Yeah, no, I got it. It's up to you. No, I, I'm trying to learn here as we go along. Yeah. Um... So then after high school, where did you go? I went, uh, I went to a school called uh, the Maryland Institute College of Art. Mm-hmm. It's, a, like a, it's like a, one of the oldest art schools in the country or whatever. Went there, uh, went on a scholarship over there. Uh, my major was painting, so did a lot of painting and drawing. I took a lot of drawing. That was like 
because like fundamental of drawing of painting is drawing. You gotta you know you gotta really practice your your drawing. Whether it's you know if it's from life or, or just more of uh, you know you just want to create that mood and you could really do it with drawing. So I took a lot of drawing classes. Um, left there, I didn't graduate. I came very close to graduating, but I didn't graduate. Same. I know how that feels. And then um, came back to Miami. And then I started uh, shopping my work at art galleries. And they all treated me like a freak. And uh, had to kind of branch off and just started painting at nightclubs. That's when the nightclub thing came. Now we've gone full circle. We're back to the nightclub. I like it. So, like, in, um, when you went to go paint in these, like, nightclubs, like, what, uh, were you, like, heavily inspired? Or were you just doing it for, like, a gig or what? I was a little inspired just because there were so many funny characters, you know? Right. Uh, I was a little inspired, but I, 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 I was just happy with the opportunity because here I am every week getting paid to just paint. And I get to take the paintings home. Right. You know? And so it was practice, get to meet people, and I get to do what I love. Right. You know? And uh, so I did that for about two years. Met a lot of people. Met a lot of, like, art collectors. People started, you know, acquiring my work here and there. Came out on TV a nice. lot. Um, um, a lot of, lot of celebrities would come by. People used to come by all the time. Like, you oh, know, yeah. just a lot of... Amandito. Yeah, always. Like, yeah. Uh, just Amandito. A lot of, lot of, lot of people. And uh, it was, it was inspiring being, you know, 24, 25 and, and being, being in that environment. Even though it was a little gritty, but, you know, it's all right. Yeah, I mean, I hear a lot of, like, uh, defunct things about the art world. It's like a very, like, dog-eats-dog. You got to know people to get Yeah, it's through. all about knowing people. And, but, I mean, that's okay. I mean... You know, it's. Uh, I see it as I'm gonna ma- I'm gonna make art regardless, and I'm I'm a people person. You know, I get along with people, and if we vibe, great. You know, all the people that like support me, I, I feel that I really get along with. So, right. you know, that I think that's the best way to do anything is working with people you get along with. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, it's about who you know. But I, I think as long as you have a a track record of. of not screwing people over and, and being honest and things like that. I think in any any practice or any career, I think that's an important thing. So. Yeah, yeah. So you feel pretty good about the art industry in general? or I mean, I don't like everything about it, but I mean, there's so many, like like food. I imagine there's a lot of different scenes in oh, food. Oh, man, is there ever. Right. So yeah. I love painting. So there's a lot of artists that you know are, are like, do photography, do installation, right. do film. I love painting. So the more paintings I could see, the better. So, you know, I feel like I have a lot of contemporaries contemporaries that I'm friends with and we can all kind of bounce ideas off of each other. And I feel like that's, that's a good thing to have. So, yeah, there's things I don't like about maybe some of the other scenes, but, I mean, I don't, I don't have time to, like, really care, you know. Mm. I can only work on what I'm doing and... And uh, I think I've been involved in this long enough where I have the relationships I, you know, I need and I can move along. Cool. So. At, where do you – this is something I – people who are also in the creative like art world, I'm not an yeah, artist. Yeah. No, I'm, that's, I'm, that's a, cool. I'm a craftsman. But like 
where do you draw inspiration from? Can it be like anything at a drop of a dime? Like for in my mind, inspiration comes from the most like the smallest thing is whenever I try to say I'm going to come up with stuff today, it never works out like that for me. It could be randomly at 3 a.m. It could be randomly at, you know, you know, eight in the morning, six in the morning on my way to the gym. Like it just it doesn't really matter. It's like all very random. I think it's usually whatever those moments where you just feel alive. Right. Uh, you get in, just inspired by something like uh, maybe you just have a really conver- a great conversation with like someone you're attracted to, like maybe a girlfriend or, or a family that you're, you're just so happy to see or any experience. Traveling is a big one. You, know, you travel, one. you travel, you see new things. And and um, uh, I would say those things are are kind of the, the fuel that that lights the fire in the studio. When you find yourself. Hold on a second. Hey, chef, what's up? You back. Yeah, happy to see you. Um, I, I I often get in my own head about creation and like creativity, and it's like when I find those moments, especially like now that we're like in such a heavy expansion mode, you know, and I, I don't cook as much as I did previously. Right. I find myself uh, struggling with the creative aspect because I think connection to product is what sparks creativity for me right yeah um you know because everything for us is like always fed off of what's in season touching the vegetables talking to the farmers like all that kind of stuff for me it's like a very it's a tough mental aspect because i struggle with like am i doing my job bad am i bad at my job am i like because i can't create right 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 and then also like when you create something that's really good after a while, you yourself become tired of it, and then you start second-guessing if it's really good. Right. Because with food, I mean, if a dish knocks and it's real good, like, you should keep it for a good amount of time. You know? Yeah, pay, right, right. You know, the one thing I say about, and this is why I say food is not an art, is, you know, a, a painter or an artist is working for the sum of one. This one very distinct piece of art that will only live in that moment on that wall. Yeah. And that canvas. We're trying to do this thing 40 times in a night. Right. Well, that's that's a big thing in art. Uh, like when you have that banger that people just like, you got to do it over and over and For over sure. again. You know what I mean? And and, uh, and uh, that's just a part of it. I don't think I've reached that banger where it's like people want me to do a hundred of the same thing. I don't think I've gotten to that yet. Like, but do they ask that. for it like you have to paint it again a hundred times or do you yeah, have to just print like the, it again? The, kind of almost like just the same kind of thing yeah that's like a big thing in the art world right right like that thing you're known for and then they just like want you to crank them because you know obviously if they're selling they're selling and there's like a waiting list you want to kind of produce that right uh so there is an aspect of that in the art world and i can imagine with some people they can maybe feel like they're losing a little bit of creativity when they have to keep producing the same thing right um but yeah i mean um what what do you do to kind of combat that do you just Uh, it's tough man it's like some days, some days you just like work yourself out of it. Just water is fine. Thank you. Oh. Emma, you can give me round two. Um, I like, I don't know. It's, and it's, it deals the mental aspect of being a chef too. This is part of that, right? Like, yeah. it's like you're in a rut and then it's like, how do you get out of it? And then you hit like a, a moment that you just come up with like four or five or seven or eight different things and you just like, and it's all like, they all knock and then, but then 
you can come up with the idea, then you need to execute the idea. Right. And then as you grow, it's like, it's tough because then you have to feed information to different people. You need to have them help you put it together. And, you know, when it was just me in one small kitchen, I, I did it all myself. Right. Uh, with the help of a much smaller team. I think combating that is one of the challenges I personally have. And I don't know how other people deal with it. I know me personally, it just goes in, in waves. You know, sometimes it's very good and sometimes it's very bad. Um, to me, there's nothing like coming up with like three or four new dishes that all knock, you know, and it's like, uh, or coming up with five and, and two of them being great and three of them still being a work in progress. Right. It right. still shows progress. Yeah. You know, um, I don't know. For me, it's a little bit different too. And I can only imagine for an artist compared to a, a like a painter compared to a chef, it's like we, we make the thing. We aesthetically see the thing, then we consume the thing. Right. And then at that time, when we consume the thing, then we take all kinds of several different type of notes. Right. How long does it stay hot? How hot is the plate? What kind of plate should we use? Uh, the flavor of this. Do you have to eat these things together? How do we get the guests to eat them together? How do they drop this on the table? Like, but that's then, a whole, yeah. Right. For a painter, I'm assuming, because you're consuming it yourself. Yeah. I mean, the the interesting thing about being a painter and getting, a, you know, I'm going to I'm gonna be 40 in, on Saturday. Happy birthday. Thank you. Yeah. But uh, as what I'm a getting, gift being here on Pancom Podcast yeah. for your birthday. <laughs> One of the things about getting a little older is, okay, you make the work. It could totally suck. Right. But I'm not in that stage of just burning stuff or I might paint over stuff. But if you're working through Thanks something. So when you're painting and you're working out an idea and maybe it'll take 10 canvases to get this idea that you want to get right. You suddenly have 10 canvases and people aren't going to eat them. Right. (laughs) You know what I mean? So it's like you have to store them. Right. Or you could try to, you know, try to get them sold. So those are some of the things that, uh, as I get a little older, it's more of like, okay, if I commit to making this big piece, I need to find a place for it. I need to do this. I need, I need to construct what's going to, in my mind prior, what, what's going to be the strategy for the piece. Because I have storage. I have, you know what I mean? I have a bunch Sounds of Sounds like menu planning to me. <laughs> it really does. Right. So uh, before I would just go at it. Now I'm like, I, I'm a little bit more calculated on what I make. Uh, because once I make it, if it doesn't come out the way I want to. And that's another thing. Painting is like wine. Sometimes it is great, but it has to marinate for a while for people to really appreciate the taste mm-hmm. and really enjoy it. Uh, so some paintings, I make it, but it's not It's not for now. It's, it's maybe in 10 years, people will appreciate it more. Yeah. So you just have to hold on to it. I feel like... It happens that, often. Well, that I happens. think that, can ha- that happens with restaurants too, I feel. Like a restaurant could yeah. be before its time, yeah, and then people won't appreciate it till ten years down the road, right? Or, like, all of a sudden, this restaurant becomes a big deal that's already been there for five years, six years, seven years. Like, it's kind of weird how it all works out. But I don't know. Like, the world gives you what you need when you need it, right? So, like, if you don't need to sell that piece, or this restaurant doesn't need to be uh, well known today, but yeah. maybe well known in five years, I think maybe that's what's supposed to happen. I have no idea. But, yeah. Um, that, that it's an interesting perspective, like the whole. Uh, you don't want to paint too many canvases. Well, it's it's. Uh, I just have to think of 
what's going to happen with them. Like, okay, am I going to have a show? Like, wh- where are right. these going? They got to be sold somewhere. Yeah, or I need to 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 have a place where they can live. You know, obviously I can I can store them away and that's fine, but I always need to to figure out a way they can they can they can continue. And a lot of paintings that I feel that are uh, some of my great paintings, I I do hold on to them because I I rather hold on to them. But there's you know that's just a, a big part of getting older when you paint. Uh, you know uh, Dennis uh, Hopper, the actor. Yeah, uh, he's a he was a painter too. Hmm. He painted for a while and did photography and paintings. He, he did everything. And the time when he passed away, he was I think having a feud with his his wife. Or, uh, I think his wife. Something was going on where. Um, he had an estate, but half of the money of the estate was to preserving his paintings and the storage and the, the, the installation for the work. So it was almost like all the money he had had to go to um, housing the works he made. Because, wow. yes, he did sell, but we always make more than we well, – you know what I mean? Like right. anywhere at a bakery. A bakery makes – could be the hottest bakery in town, but they're going to throw out a lot of stuff. Oh, yeah. You know? So you're going to have a lot of work. Right. That's like a part that gets complicated as you get a little older. You got to think things through and, you know, filego a bagel. <laughs> Question. Yeah. How do you come up with the price of a painting? Is it like all on demand? Is it based off of what you feel it's worth? Is it uh, up until this point? It's off of um, the, the value. Like I've had people buy a certain work for a, a price and i sell anything bigger for more than it's not appropriate there is like a kind of a more or less a market right you know for it so you base it off of market value yeah what obviously what people will pay and what it's been previously paid for Mm. like if it was previously paid for for a certain amount then five years pass and it's from maybe that series it's going to be more money naturally because more time has passed right but um yeah, and whatever's more popular, sure. I would say, like whatever work style is more popular. Interesting, interesting. Yeah. So, how do we get into coffee? Coffee. Uh, we were doing the subscription boxes. Let's talk about the, sub- the sub- subscription box. Yeah, the because Cuban care package. Right. What year did that start? Uh, five years ago, a little oh, over so five. Because I'm thinking, like, man, when I was in college, that would have been very yeah. Like so clutch, yeah. You know, like yeah. just like a a thing of like Bustelo and some yeah. beans and some I don't know, whatever, yeah. man. When I, I was when I was in Maryland, I mean my 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 mom and my grandmother used to send me stuff all the time. I'd get like a huge box. Yeah, Obviously, same. you know, it'd have regular stuff like not, you know, like where you can get anywhere. But I was like so broke, and then um and then it always obviously have the Cuban beans or whatever. So. You know, I had the experience in college. I lived in Jersey. I lived in New York. I knew that it, you couldn't just get a jupinha anywhere. Oh, you know, the holy grail of sodas. <laughs> so we decided to come out with it, and it went kind of viral the moment we did it. That's cool. And uh, we've been doing it for about five years. And about little, like about three years ago, we realized, like, you know, we're sending the Butelo, La Llave. La Llave, the, the, that family is awesome. Like, cool. We... we we were shipping these Cuban brands, but we wanted we wanted something. I don't know. We just we realized there was kind of like a, a a little void that maybe we could fill our own kind of avenue. And um, 
you know, we were getting a little bit more into organic food, you know, my personal life. And we maybe like we can just maybe look into maybe sourcing an organic coffee, doing something. And we just organic coffee stuff. Yeah. And uh, little by little, we just started looking more and more into it. Obviously, I'm not a roaster. I had to connect with people that are roasters. Sure. And um, and then we started, you know, including in our boxes and kind of seeing what's going on, you know. And then we got into Milam's uh, supermarket. Then they're great. Milam's. Yeah, they're awesome. They really are. I did a thing with them a few years ago. They're yeah. great. Milam's is a you know local supermarket. They're awesome. They have about five locations. I think they're opening six now. Yeah, there's one down the street from here that I yeah. actually frequent a lot. Yeah, we sell there a lot. Oh yeah, yeah. I think that's like. Uh, or like number one store that we sell. That's crazy. And then, um, so we, we got into Milums and then like we got contacted by like Winn-Dixie and Fresco and we, we realized that's not really our market because ours is a more of a, like a premium coffee. You know, it's, it's retail. It's about $12 for a bag, you know? And, How big is the bag? Uh, pound? Uh, 14 ounces. Okay. So almost a pound. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, we, we just been doing it. It's been exciting and like, I'm really involved in the marketing of it, and it's fun. It's it's exciting. It's a lot of work, stuff I'm not used to, but I'm always kind of up for a challenge. So yeah. So what know. comes in the box? Is there several options for a box, like different options? Uh, I was I was telling Nick we we really don't like having inventory, so it's a surprise box. So every month oh, it's a yeah. surprise. So we actually so like the moment we we. We collect all the product. It is out of the door. So because we, we obviously have a certain amount of subscribers and things like that. And um, uh, we we try to add new products that come out, you know, with different brands and whatnot. And uh, like we last month, we we uh, we sent this. Uh, it's called uh, Philo's Philo's Beans. They're uh, they're based out of New York. Or is Chicago. that uh, Marty's Beans? That is uh, Mario Obregón's Bag uh, Beans. Former Pancom podcast guest Mario Obregón has been sponsored by more beans than we have. So yeah. Mar- Mario is the front man of Problem Kids that we talked about earlier. Oh, yeah. And he uh, has done some uh, video. I don't know whether they've aired anywhere on TV, but basically uh, ads. Okay. So he's done some, I think it's fair to call it rap, if not like a spoken word thing. Yeah. About... The role that these bagged beans play in his creative process, <laughs> right, right. Uh, uh, yeah, so yeah, we man. give him shit about the bean thing, but I mean, he's a super talented guy, uh, and they're lucky to have him. Yeah, we we added their beans last month, and it's it's just new in the market. It's like a congri. You can do it. You can make it like in like fifty seconds. It comes if out. If you watch the Mario ad, you will see how quick and how cool the beans are, <laughs> and also how much doper your rhymes become. <laughs> yeah, when you've eaten the beans. Man, you were very aggressive to the face with the ball tickler that yeah, time. Yeah, you know, I mean, I want to make sure that I'm really It's just on a shame that tickler. none of the cameras are on you. It was just like a very, it was like we a call this, tick- We call this our ball tickler. By yeah, way. not ours. Your ball tickler, That's sir. true, that but. your ball tickler. But, you know, you're a part of the ball tickler activity. <laughs> no, I'm not, sir. Yeah, I mean, we're I'm at, not, I'm listen, not. listen. When you spent this much time at the same table as a person who's holding a ball tickler to his face, at some point you become a part of it. Granted, that's a good point. Uh, Sorry, no, shifting cool. back away from the ball tickler. God. Yeah, no. So uh, we uh, we we included them last month, and it was a hit. And we always just you know guava, anything. You know, we work with a local bakery. They make masa real for the box and masa and uh, dulce leche. Um, 
you name it. Like we, we try to put it in. We can't put pastelitos and stuff like that. Yeah, no, it's tough. Yeah, I've been trying to figure out a way to ship pastelitos for yep. a while now. Nah, it's, what, uh, um, you should talk to my sister. I should. That's right. She's a yeah. scientist. She's a frozen food scientist. I know. That's yeah. actually a good point. Thanks, Nick. I yeah. appreciate that. You got it. Anytime. Yeah. Um, like, so how big are we talking? How many shipments are you doing a month? Well, it fluctuates. It's usually highest. Highest or highest, lowest? Highest was probably like near like over 600. That's amazing. Yeah. Thanks. That's amazing. It's really difficult. Yeah. No, but, I uh, know. Yeah. <laughs> Anything that has to do with food, if you're shipping yeah. it, if you're boxing it, if you're selling it to humans, yeah. if you're putting it on plates, it's very difficult. Yeah. So, yeah. it's uh, it's And it's been steady for five years. And then, you know, from there, you know, obviously we sell merch and we sell uh, the coffee. The How's coffee. the merch doing for you? Uh, pretty good. Um, for a while, we were selling, um, like, espresso cups and things like that. And we would have, like, different phrases on it. And it was selling like hotcakes. But... Um, a lot of that stuff is from China, and it, the consistency is really bad, and and we just decided to kind of discontinue that. So maybe we can find someone locally, local. But it's, it's tough. It's tough. It's tough, man. Uh, we prefer doing everything local. Like yeah, we we same. love doing everything local, and but it, it just at times it gets too difficult. Yeah. And uh, but yeah, man. I mean, we we for a time we were. Uh, you know, we even sell like some of the baked goods that we have. Like we put in our in our store because people ask, so we we ship that. And, uh, yeah, man, it's been exciting. I never would have thought I would have gotten involved in this. My grandfather did have a supermarket. Oh, yeah? Yeah, in the 70s with the family. Where at? Uh, Union City, New Jersey. Oh, Jersey, Jersey. Yeah, Jersey, yeah. That's right. But they had the a... home of Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> but they had a, like, a... It was like a bodega. They had, like, all the Cuban products. And then they had a, a cafe where they make the Cuban sandwiches and... That's ca- cool. Cafe Cubano. And people from New York would come get the Cuban sandwiches and stuff. And, uh... That's dope. Thanks. Yeah. So it was it was an operation from like the early 70s till the 80s. And then my grandfather sold it and then moved to Miami and then opened like a butcher shop. Oh, yeah. In Miami. Yeah. No, it was in front of, uh, uh, you know, where uh, on Coral Way, where the Publix is with with uh, the Starbucks is. You mean on 27th? On Miracle Mile or where? No, on no. Coral on Coral Way and. Uh, no, I'm sorry. Uh, 87th and Coralway. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Around there. Yeah. Across the street where the bank is, where there's a parking lot. Mm. That's where the butcher shop was. It was a strip mall back in the day. No shit. And he, and he had a he had a little butcher shop. So we used to go and help him. Uh, he would make me pass out flyers door to door and all that. So it's crazy how shit's changed. Yeah. Right. right? Yeah. It's, it's different. Not, it's. I mean, it's a totally different world. Yeah. How has social media changed art for you? Painting, art in general, the society of art. I don't know what that means, but. Uh, um, it, I, I mean, it's know. making a big impact. I would say, for the better or for the worst. For the better, um, I would assume because it's, it's of different. The, the visual aspect of yeah, it, would, it's, it would help. It's it's different. Um, you know, that's a, I I like it, but I don't. When I was younger, I would depend a lot on my website. Yeah. I used to get so much work on my website. People would buy paintings all the time from my website, and then now it's everything's Instagram, and it's like. I get it, but I don't – there's just something about it I don't like, and I don't know what it is. I, I really do believe our age group, you know, like 33, 4 to 44-ish is still a little – we're like this weird bridge age that it's like we don't hate this stuff. Yeah. But we don't like it. We don't like um, 
we understand it. It's like we know how to use the phone. Yeah. But we don't like love depending on it like the generation before us does. Right. Or like I'm sorry, after us. Like the younger kids, like I would say the twenties now, the teens, forget about it. And I mean, who knows what the fuck the teens are going to be like when we're in our yeah, 50s. I don't bro. know. <laughs> so it's like, I, I think that, because I'm like that too. Like, I know the value of, of oh, content yeah, 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 of on, on the internet, right? Yeah, like, yeah. I also don't give in to it. Or I fight giving into it a lot with our businesses because, you know, you can look at the Instagram of a space, of a restaurant, and be like, wow, it's amazing. And they have like, all these beautiful people and the food looks so nice and like then you go there and it's a fucking someone's chewing gum when they come to your table and it's like ah what can i get you and it's like <laughs> the food looks like a like i don't know a fucked up paparena and it's just like it just it's a bit it's it's so misleading yeah it you is, know and it can it be is. so you're getting catfished every day and people don't even know it yeah it's true um it's uh you know i you know, I do use it, and it has helped a lot. I mean, I, I, I mean, our our businesses survived from from social media. Sure, you know what I mean. Like, it went like sometimes I just do a post, and it just goes gangbusters, and we get like like crazy amount of orders. You know, and yeah, that's from social media. I mean, so. yeah, I know. I mean, I think that I definitely believe. That but I mean, mostly from the art perspective, the art angle. It has worked, and I and I have had a lot of success with it. I've had people from all over the world reach out, like, "Hey, I want to buy something," you know, that's which cool. that's like incredible. Yeah, you know, that maybe wouldn't have had. Yeah, it's the interconnectivity, the the opportunity for that, mm-hmm. and and I think the, I think the downside of it is kind of like what I said when people don't deliver on what they, uh, yeah, what they, yeah, exactly, what they're trying to get the world to perceive of them, or whatever it may be. Well, I've uh, heard someone tell me that. Um, Really good press, which, you know, press, you can almost be yourself now. Really good press could kind of, like, put you out of business. Oh, yeah. the There's a great article. It's, like, that's about, uh, I got I gotta, I don't remember the exact title of it. But basically, the whole premise of the article is that an article came out, I think it was in Bon Appetit, about the best burger in the country. Mm. And it was, like, this little place in the Midwest, I think. I, I'm totally probably butchering the story, but this is the whole idea of it. And then basically, they closed. Really? Yeah, like twelve. They couldn't. They couldn't handle. They couldn't it. handle it. They couldn't. You know why? Because people don't know how to say no. Too. It's like since we're in the service industry, people are just like, yeah, don't take it. Like, especially at Ariette. Like, if I feel like things are getting hairy, I'll be like, no more. Stop. You've been uh, booked a lot lately. We tried to get reservations on Saturday. Oh yeah. And we couldn't. You know people though. Come on. So I, know, know. I know. I know. I didn't. I didn't want to. You know. I didn't want to. Nah, you're good. Let me know. Yeah, we, we uh, had a friend from out of town, and we tried to get – he wanted to see, like, the real Miami. I'm like, all right, we'll go. I love we'll go. that. Yeah. I love that that's how you're telling him the real Miami is. Yeah. I – and, you know, I'm blessed because we have been – year five is, like, a big year. Obviously, we're coming off a real fucked up year four. Um, but year five is always a big year because you start to, like, bridge. Now you're, like – the people that have been coming for a long time still come. The newer people that came, like, after you were a little older – if you're a good, still come, and then now new people still come. Yeah. So you're, it's like a, you have all three layers of guests. Yeah. So we've been blessed, man. And, That's awesome. And Nave's uh, turned to hard corner too, which is great to see. It's just like being patient. Yeah. It's so tough in this industry because people want everything in one day. Yeah. 
you know. And then like the the, the customers get FOMO, right? Which is good. Yeah, that's good. That's good. I'm okay with that. Yeah. When people call, we don't have. I'm just, you know, I'm sorry. There's nothing I can do for you. Um. I I feel blessed that I can say that. Yeah, that's awesome. You know. Yeah. What's next? What are we talking about next? So th- there's a a subject that oh. I that I would like to introduce. Here we go. So welcome to Pancom Podcast <laughs> yeah. with uh, Nick Jimenez and the Baltickler. And the Um So primarily because you know you and I have known each other for a while, and yeah. and I mentioned earlier, you know, when we were at the bar before uh, the podcast, um, you know, I'm like a little bit aware of some of the, for lack of a better word, and I'm sorry if this is like not the appropriate thing, but I don't know, stages or phases or whatever, uh, things that you have like focused your work on over time. Yeah. Like I know there was a period of time that you were doing stuff that was maybe more Cuba related. In fact, one of the sketches that I have of yours is a Jose Mati. Yeah. 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 Oh, Um, really? Yeah. Yeah. There was a, a period of time where you were doing a lot of stuff related to like secret societies. Yeah. 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 Uh, there was a religious aspect. Right. And yeah, it's always then some cartoony stuff. Mm -hmm. So I guess, and I'd like for both of you to kind of, you know, play off each other a little bit because I think that, Mike, there's probably something there that's analogous of, like, over time, different stages that you've had and how you express yourself in food, right? Um, whether that's development or just finding new interests and wanting to explore different areas or whatever it might be. Maybe not. I don't know. No, no. I mean... But uh, I, I guess I'm not even really asking a question so much as, like, I'd like to hear you both talk about that, like different whether it's subjects or techniques right. or things that you've explored over time and how you went to those different things from a from a chef side it's a i can imagine it'll be a little bit different actually i don't know and i guess you could tell me more but one of the hardest things is like when you spend years working for someone else right you learn how to cook their food and part of your job working in the brigade is to cook their food to the best of your ability and to make sure that they believe it is the way that they would put it out. And something that if you're working for someone that you really enjoy, that you should be proud of. Um, I'm fortunate that I worked for people that I really enjoyed. There's a lot of people that I fucking hated working for too. But um, finding your own voice within that, finding who you are, finding um, your purpose, take some time. Yeah. And and I, I experienced that hard and it's like, Again, I, I go to the mental health thing when it comes to kitchens because, you know, like we're reviewed every day by a bunch of schmucks that could or could not know right what, what food is supposed to be like or what service is supposed to be like. And listen, there's plenty of people that actually know and could tell us that we're bad and that those are things that we have to fix. But I, I'd say that they're a small percentage of the 100%. Right. And, um, you know, so it depends how you how you decide to grow. Like for me... The first two years of area specific was very tough because I was trying to find my voice and I, I don't know if I really found it until year three. And then when I found it, I didn't just find it. I doubled down on it because we were very close to closing several times. And I said to myself, I was, you know, if we're going to do the thing, um, this is, has to be who we are. And if we're going to go down, this is how we're going to go down. Right, right. Um, but it was finding my voice. And what I think, like, the food and the city and the culture meant to me. And then trying to put that on a plate. And then not only just on a plate, in an experience all itself. Right. And that's why I am i don't believe in, like, the evil empire of Uber Eats. Um, 
because I, you know, you can't box up an experience, you know, it's part of the thing of dining here, you know? And, um, it was, I, I would say it was a hard up and down journey of like trying to figure out like, who am I? And even now I still evolve a lot now, you know, but the evolution at least has like a, it's got, it's grounded in something. It could reach a different technique or a different style, but it's still grounded in the same roots because I found them and I planted seeds yeah. and I said, this is who, who is, who I'm going to be. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. That's, that's a, I mean, that's a big aspect in, in, uh, at least being a painter is, uh, getting to that point where you're just being completely honest and dealing, I a good point. dealing with the consequence of like, this is who I am and people might not like it, but I mean, this is who I am. But getting to that point is, is, uh, is, uh, is the most vulnerable place yeah, you could be for sure. Because it's like, you know, it's, uh, it's almost, it's being naked, you know, it's, it's this is everything, you know, and, and will people connect with that? That's an incredible point. It's like, um, that vulnerability aspect. Yeah. You know, when you, when some random person, let's just from whatever descent decides, like, I'm going to open up a taco place. Mm-hmm. But they're just going to open a taco place and they have, like, no connection to that that taco place or whatever right. it may be. For them, it's just a business. Right. But when you consider yourself trying to do something, trying to express yourself, it's a very vulnerable place to be. Because there could be, and in the art world, I'm sure it's the same way. It's like you do this piece that you're so emotionally physically mentally invested in and then someone could be like i don't like that yeah and i'll be like and (laughs) i think the growth for me is when i started saying i don't give a fuck oh oh yeah yeah (laughs) like i like i don't yeah so uh there was a table the other day and they didn't have a bad experience they uh i just overheard them talking and they're just like you know this place used to be like very different and i heard them you know like just because they were sitting at the table behind me while i was expediting and just like it's like, yeah, you know, there used to be, like, it was a little, uh, it, this is much more, like, elevated. Oh. And in my brain, I'm like, yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, they had a great time. That that wasn't the point. But I guess just, like, really saying, like, not being scared of the fact that I wanted to elevate this food and who we were. Because there was a, a moment of fear for me of elevating it because people wouldn't understand it. Right, and when you elevate it, you need to charge more for it because you're putting more time, effort, dollars into make into producing it. So, it's a vulnerable feeling. Like, are they gonna like it? Or are they not? And at at one point, I was just like, "Fuck it, man! If you're gonna do this shit, just fucking do it." Yeah, that's that's. I, I mean, that's like that's like probably the most important part of getting to that core of whatever you're trying to create, where that that uh, magical thing happens. It's where you're vulnerable. And you don't care as long as you're really content with, with the outcome. You ever seen the Kevin Costner movie for love of the game? No, I have not. <laughs> you haven't? No. It's a game about baseball, right? And he's like an old pitcher and he's pitching his last game. Okay. And he would always have this thing. It's like, you know, it's like the end of the game and he's starting to get tired and he could really hear the crowd. Right. And the crowd was starting to bear down on him. Right? This is a great movie. You should watch yeah. it. Even if you don't like no. baseball, it's still a good movie. I mean, classic Costner here. I mean, it's good stuff. <laughs> and, 
And this isn't like Waterworld Kevin Costner, by the way. This is good <laughs> Kevin Costner. Um, and he used to just, like, right when he was about to pitch, he would say, clear the mechanism. And it was just like the whole – he would envision the enti- all the stands empty. And it was like, I'm just going to throw the perfect pitch right now. Yeah, yeah. And I've, I said that a lot to myself when I was, like, going through this hard change. And it was like, I'm going to take this off the menu. And then, you know, even my business partner was like, well, people really like that. I'm like, but this is not who we are. And I'm going to take this off the menu. It's like, oh, no, you shouldn't do that. I'm like, but I'm going to. And you shouldn't. And, and you know, like, as I, du- I got lucky, as I doubled down, more people came. And as I doubled down even more about, like, who I was and who the restaurant is, more people came. And I got lucky because it could have gone the other way. But at the same time, like, I, I w- if no one came, like, I would still be proud of what I did there. Well, that's another thing. With experience, it's kind of like following your, your, uh, your inner gut because you're going to know. You're, 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 you're here every day. You know. Right. right. And it's the same thing with painting where an experienced painter knows how to edit edit down oh yeah you know what i mean editing because you know when i was a kid like my paintings were kind of a bunch of colors all over the place sure. and then you kind of you kind of learn how to edit down that's such a difficult thing to do yeah how to edit your own work elegance and simplicity yeah and that's extremely extremely difficult negative space yeah you know i, I we talk about it it's like less is more there's power and absence oh that's a good one too yeah i, I mean just like w- when creating a like when creating a dish, and then even just seeing it on paper, drawing it out, all the components, coming up with the res- recipes for all the components, I'll look at it and be like, "So what can I take off of here? What is not necessary?" I was asking Nick because I, you know, I often have I know people that make food. They take a photo of it. It looks horrible. You have it. It tastes good. What was like the hardest thing for you to learn? in your craft where okay it has to look amazing or very unique not like someone else how it tastes like what are like the difficult parts of of uh creating like a a piece of art with like uh, an entree there's layers to it it's definitely like an onion this whole that that question because there's several several avenues you have to think of there's something I think of often, and there's I do this a lot. I'll come up with food that we can never actually put on the menu. Okay. Because it's too complicated. It's too difficult for them to execute. And for me, execution and consistency, no matter what, as a business owner, is the number one thing. Right? So the just talking about food on the plate itself, I'll think of several avenues. Okay. How do you eat this? When the guests – because you can't – you're not going to – train the guests how to eat it but you can anticipate movements right so like when they drop a plate the protein needs to be to this side because the majority of the world is right-handed right they're going to pick up this and this and then they're going to eat it that way and then the sauce is going to be this way so when they stroke this way it's going to pick up sauce from here right then it's like um how long is the dish good for right so like there's certain dishes that after a minute in the window are trash Trash. Not good. And I'll throw it back in the window and tell them to redo it. So there's that one, right? Then it's like, can we find a way to execute this dish 40 times in one night? And each, all 40 of them being to our standard, 
which our standard is through the roof. Can we do that? And if we can't, it's a good dish, but we'll not do it. Straight up. And then above everything, is it fucking delicious? Right, right. All those, all those things are good. Is it hot? Is it consistent? Is the pickup X, Y, and Z? Does it have the standard things which you're looking for texture? You're looking for um, heat. You're looking for seasoning. You're looking for all those like classic things you look for. Is there bitter? Is there like uh, acid? All those things. But then at the end of the day, is it fucking delicious? Because the most beautiful food in the world, if it's not delicious, yeah. it's not good. And as far as presentation, when you're coming up with a, a new concept, like uh, how do you study it? Do you like do you take photos of it? Go home, look over it. Oh yeah. Like yeah. Oh yeah. So, I mean, I draw everything out first. Yeah. Um, like my notebook is all just like there'll be a page, there'll be three different avenues of like how we could plate this. And sometimes I don't do any of those. And as we're actually plating the dish, I'll be like, maybe this is better this way and this whatever, you know, like yeah, until you're in the moment, you don't really know. You can't capture what it's supposed to be like. Now, when you put stuff on the menu, obviously, if it doesn't taste to your standard, it won't go on the menu. Right. But does that apply to presentation? Like if it's freaking delicious but you're like ah like do you does it have to have a certain i'll continue to fine-tune it until i find a place that i find it beautiful okay yeah i mean for me like food is a story right and i feel like it's uh our story and i think that our story is beautiful so i want the food to be that i think that there's certain triggers that people look for like you know every i think and every different situation there's like a fad or a niche like this is cool now like watermelon radishes were in forever because they're cute or like whatever you know finishing with this or finishing with that i try to go very opposite of those things and i try to say like what is what classically always works because the classics no matter what will never die right right that and and with food even more so like classic flavor combinations a lot of times when i come up with food I'll be reading a book that's from like the 40s and be like, oh, yeah, that that herb with that sauce and that that spirit, like all that works in a sauce. And then but what if I change that herb into a powder? And then what if we finish the fish with the powder? Like we just did like people had been pining for like a green salad recently. And it was like I get it. You know, I understand it. Like right now we're in peak season for local greens. Uh, We can get them from heaven they're beautiful you know they're really dirty so you got to spend time cleaning them um so i get it but it's also making making a green salad beautiful is tough you know i think all the components in them are beautiful itself Mm -hmm. but actually making it something that's like striking is not always easy right yeah so we came up with a plate that's probably the most difficult plate to plate on the menu right now and just like we took the whole like bundle we season the whole bundle individually. We wrap it with a chive, a chive, so it stands. We cut the bottom so it stands. We do a lettuce puree, croutons that are made out of white beans wrapped with bocarones, and like, it's an impressive thing. And we finish it with bay leaf powder. Wow! And it's like this. I was, you know, we went through like three to four different platings, and then one of my chefs was like, you know, what if we did it like this old uh, French salad? And I said, oh man, that's that's genius. And I said, you know, let's. We did the wrap, and it's a pain in the ass, but, you know, that means that we'll only have 12 a night. Wow. And, that, and then if we only have 12 a night and we sell those 12, then we're out of those 12. That's just part of the thing, you yeah. know. 
it's even something as simple as a cheeseburger, right? Yeah, I was actually looking. I'm more of a meat and potatoes kind of guy, and I saw the we were out here, and I saw the cheeseburger. I was like, man, that thing looks freaking delicious. Something as simple as like the chug burger. The buns are baked every day. The meat is ground every day. So we only have 12 a day. Wow. And if we don't, if, I mean, if we sell those 12, we sell those 12. Yeah, right. Wow. It's just like I'm trying to find the a happy medium. Yeah, I want to make people happy, but at the same time, like, this is what I believe in. Yeah. So this is who I'm going to, this is what I'm going to stand by. Exactly. You know? So I think coming up, the the thought process of coming up with this could take months. I bet. Yeah. It legitimately could take months because yeah. of those different aspects. And then, honestly, we can go through all that, put it on the menu, and it could not work. Mm. And after a couple of days, I just take it off the menu. Wow. Yeah, I mean, with painting, it's, uh, you know, I think um, as I'm getting older, I, I feel like I feel like it's I'm making new American art. Interesting. What does that mean to you? Because I'm, you know, I'm American, but I'm first generation. Right. So I'm like being exposed to all these things that are, are part of America, but I didn't really like my family doesn't know about, you know, like right. all the history of, of America. So it's like, uh, uh, it's, you know, like, I mean, what's, I mean, what's more American than like a place where so many immigrants are coming here and, and being like seeing it all the time and, and, and kind of being a part of it, but not really, but you know, it's just always there. And, uh, I don't know. I just feel like the work I make is just like a new American painting. Well, I mean, it's also very distinct to you in the time period. Yeah, right? exactly. I mean, uh, art is very time period based. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, I, you know, when I was younger, I would work on a painting for a really long time until I got it right. And now I, I've learned to abandon. So it, if I'm working on a painting for more than five days, we got a problem. I want to be done. Like, I, oh, yeah. if I can't get it resolved in f- four or five days of working, then there's something wrong. Uh, so I, I do give myself uh, uh, time limits. Do you ever revisit? Uh, I used to a lot. I try not to as much. But, yeah, I do. I do. Interesting. Actually, one of your paintings, I think I just touched it up a little bit. There was something I wanted to fix. Um, but, yeah. That's cool. I, 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 I revisit, but I do minor revisions. Yeah. Yeah. Before I would like start and then it end up being something else. And right. I try I mean, not with, to. I only do that if I, I can't stand the painting and I just want to create a new painting. Then I'll, I'll just paint over the whole thing. Uh, so I guess it is that, but um, more or less I just want to get rid of what was there. Yeah. It was her idea to wrap the chive around the salad. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but uh, that's another thing about painting. It's very you know I, with you, I imagine you come up with stuff, but then it's a collaboration, and then you, you well, every room is different, right? So I think uh, we have an incredible amount of talented people within our our company, and um, you know it definitely is collaborative. Um, I can sit in a room and I say, listen, I have this idea. And then, uh, you know, uh, Chef Ashley, Manny, Cher, the whole team. Be like, well, what if you add this? What if you change that to that? And then, you know, we have a back and forth a lot about it. Because at the end of the day, um, they they are definitely the ones that are, are putting in the work right now. Right, right. You know, so 
I want them to feel ownership of the whole thing, you know. And I think it's, I think it's like one of those things that the more they feel ownership over, it, the more proud they are. Yeah, right. And it's something I didn't experience as a young cook, and right. I wish I would have. Right. Um, until I started working for Norman, and Norman was like, "Yeah, I mean, listen, um, come up with stuff. We'll try it." And and that's when I think the door opened up for me to understand what creating was. Yeah, that's really important. I think. Yeah, like coming up. Like being young and ambitious, it's like people would just like slam the door on my face, wouldn't like explain anything to me. Yeah, yeah. And then like now, if like you know, like a young whippersnapper comes up to me, I'm like, yeah, like I'll share whatever I nurture talent, man. Yeah, like share, like hey, why don't you think about this? So when people reach out, like hey, I need advice, I'll be like the first to give it. Sure. Because I feel like. Uh, Sometimes I didn't necessarily get it. I had to get it by like really grinding my teeth, you know, yeah. and like really, really just like pulling it out of people. Yeah, I hated that too. Yeah, I didn't like it. I, I really, I, and I think it's to like a, a a rough extent for me because if people ask for advice, I'm I'm like, all right, cool. What time do you want to talk? Yeah, I'll calendar. Awesome, yeah. I'll calendar an invite. We'll sit on a call. We'll like, what do you need? Yeah. You want to talk about yeah. leases? You want to talk about real estate? You want to talk about food costs? You want to talk about how to you know coach a team like I'm I'm there for all of it you know yeah. and it's only because so many times for me no one gave a fuck yeah exactly. no one wanted to coach but me I think that how how old are you 35 I think it's because of like the time we grew up fuck off huh I see that face I think 35 was, year old fuck yeah whatever I think it was a time of like when we grew up maybe it was just maybe Miami was a little underdeveloped and I don't know I I don't I I mean I have a lot of people I look up to but I feel like there were certain things that I really just had to learn and I feel like I had to be abrasive when I didn't want to be or like brash when I, you know, I didn't want to be, Yeah. but like you, you have to, because you know, it's, it's hard, you know? Yeah. You gotta be rough, man. Yeah. You gotta be rough. Sometimes it takes a lot of grit and, and grinding to get to a certain level that you want to be at. Yeah. And even when you get there, then you find a new benchmark that you want to get to. I mean, right. for me, it's just like, I want, my dream was to open up one restaurant. Now we have three incredible. and then we're going to have five. <laughs> so like, I mean, it's like, uh, so what's next? And it's always about like, until you find a place like, I'm happy now. Yeah. You know, and I don't know when that place is going to be, but just, it's that like really like uh, corny meme. It's like uh, when you reach for the, when you reach the top, just keep reaching for the stars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's just like, uh, Oh yeah, I know you're not into. Cor- you ever heard that? Keep reaching for the stars. I know you're not a one of the corny Just guys. Just Google but. inspirational quotes. Yeah, it's on all. there. Yeah. This is related to one of my parting recommendations. Is it? All right, yeah. cool. Uh, so, we kind of got an answer from you. Yeah. But yeah. we didn't really get an answer from you on that question of like the stages you've been through, and whether it's subject matter or just what you were doing broadly. Right. Right. However, you would conceptualize that. Okay. And I and I asked partly because. I'm just personally curious because I've been aware, you know, from a distance of some of that stuff. Yeah. So talk a little bit about, like, where you went with your work. Also so that people have context but of, like, like when, like from so when? For, so for, no, for example, like, uh, those different stages of, like, you had this period that you were working a lot on that secret society. And, oh, okay, and okay, I remember okay. there was, like, elements that were covered in the painting yeah, somehow. Yeah, okay. I, uh, I, I'd just like to hear about, like, that progression of, like, what you've done yeah so that, and also so that people listening can get a sense of like where you've gone as a painter yeah uh so yeah i mean it, in painting it's um for like a long time when i was younger i felt like it was like which i i 
sort of feel like this now. I'd not necessarily like it, it's uh, it almost like can work like as magic and it can it can have an influence on on the viewer if they kind of allow it. And uh, so, you know, I would tap into like a lot of, you know, supposed hidden mysteries of the world. You're right, Nick? So, you know, I just um, the work I was doing a lot was a lot of layering. So I would paint something and then cover it to kind of like have a sense of like the the truth is always hidden in a way. And and uh, it was more of like a it was kind of like a, a way of thinking, not and the work would come out a certain way. Um, and at that time I was kind of going through a lot. I lost my dad. I lost my grandfather. So I was kind of like coming up in the world as like a, a man. And it was, uh, uh, I was like in search of truth, you know? And, uh, so I was making work like that for a while. And then I just felt like it wasn't, this is the thing about art. And I feel it's very prevalent. I see it a lot where when you're making the work, sometimes you're not making the work. What I'm saying is there's something that comes inside of you that makes the work. But the thing is, when I was younger, I would let whatever that thing is come through me and I would let let it make the work. The thing is, you have to be um, you have to guard your heart because we don't understand the, the universe and some of the things that come through us can kind of not have our best interests. Mm-hmm. So it can even be maybe in just a color or a shape or a face. Um, and I knew this because I talked to some people that had some of my earlier work in this certain time frame, And they told me that they were in a really bad part in li- a really bad part of life. And they, you know, they were being spiritually tormented and, and like have anxiety and things like that. And then they would have to grab my painting and like take it down and put it away. So, because these things that we make, it brings something, you know what I mean? Like, it's like an artifact. So, the energy that comes into it has a life of its own. So, that was a lot of the things I was battling when I was younger because it's like, it's almost like you go into autopilot and something else takes over and it makes the work better than almost you could. Right. And... As I've gotten older, I've tried to harness it and I make sure it's coming from a, the best place possible. And it's like it's like your home. You're not going to leave your front door open. It's the same thing with our heart. We can't just leave our just can't leave the door open to just allow whatever. Let me do this best painting. Come on, let me just come in through me. Let's make it happen. I hate to cut you off. No, it's fine. just like I had a thought, which is, I think a lot of times. And, and this is like the struggle I feel often, which is every time you do a new piece, for you it's art, for me it's food or whatever, you're putting a your, uh, piece of yourself yeah. on the plate. For you it's a canvas. And it's just out there for the world. And it, it leaves a portion of you vulnerable for whatever people would think of it. Right. And for me, like, um, it's very like nuts and bolts. You know, right. It always comes down to like financials. Yeah, you know, like because we're running a business at the end of, of the course. day, and I, I'm totally aware of that. Um, you know that snapper dish costs X, Y, and Z, but like the reason why that snapper dish exists, there's such a story behind it, and an evolution of how it ended up on the menu. I would say that 99.9 percent of the people that eat that dish would never know how important that dish is to me. 
right, right, or what it represents for me. But I've left the door open for someone to ask, and if someone asked, I would tell them the story, right. And it's stuff like that to me that, you know. Well, yeah, can, that, that's that's like a that's like, uh, that's like the same thing with art because it lives there, and you don't kind of know what happened when they were experiencing it, right. But you're not going to like be a storyteller standing right next to the, the right. dish. I mean, right. I guess you could come out as a chef and maybe say a few things, but no, never. that's not that never happens. Yeah, never. So I think that's just a reality of, of, of when you make something. Well, it's creation. Yeah, creation. You know, everyone uh, experience making. experiences that thing, whether it's food or art, painting or whatever, differently. You know, I think for. Some people could, in my in my case, just to satiate an appetite, or they're really trying to have an experience and they want to know why. Right. Um, it, it's it's very like, it's a very broad and like interesting place to be. You know, it's like a very it, the vulnerability is exhausting at times, mm. and I, and I, a lot of people don't they totally don't get that because I think a lot of people aren't totally engaged with food. Or with what they do as much as artists are or creators yeah. are. Um, but it, it's tough. Like sometimes you feel like you, uh, at least for me personally, like you put so much of yourself out there that it's like you're left almost rebuilding yourself in the process. Right. And it's a lot. You can only rebuild yourself so many times. Yeah, it's true. I think it's, uh, I think it goes back to that place of whatever you're producing or making. Uh, is being okay with that part where people just don't get it sometimes. Right. And, you know, I think it's it's a part of, a, you know, um, uh, it's, 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 the, it's the scabs of battle. And it just, it just, you just get them and you just, it doesn't hurt anymore. And it's just like, uh, you know, and, and I, I agree with that. But, but I, sometimes it does. No, it, I mean it. Do, it does. It does leave like marks. It does yeah. leave like and it, not physical marks. Yeah, it's yeah. just more mental stuff that happens. But people don't see that. You know, like they they don't. Uh, I don't think they'll experience that connection that you may have with a piece or that I have with food or certain dishes or whatever. And and um, it, it's 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 a lot. I think in the process. I mean. To deep dive, I think I think kind of everyone kind of fear, experiences that to a like on a human level. I mean, like you know, if someone doesn't understand my painting, I mean, there's some people that are homeless and nobody will even talk to them. You right, know, that's it's true. I think it's like I think it's a part of the human condition where we we care so much about this thing and people just don't. People have so only so many hours in the day, or only so much headspace, where they're going to go eat. Uh, they're going to eat, or they're going to go to a gallery, or go anywhere. And it's almost like they can only take in so much. And it's just like, okay, I'm looking at it. Okay, I'm tasting it. That's as much as I can like bear, right. you know? Because people, uh, you know, and also just with social media today, man, people go through things so quickly. It's yeah, it's hard. hard. It's a, it's definitely like a flash in the pan society. Yeah, yeah. you know, like the, there's what are the long lasting effects? Uh, what are uh, everything is like instant gratification? 
I was shocked. I went to the design district last weekend and we were walking around and I looked around in like a courtyard area and they were like, I counted like, like it was like six, seven people and they were all doing like selfies and it was like, they weren't having a good time. They weren't like conversating with the people they were with. They were all like with their friends and their friends had the camera and they were like posing or they were holding, they they were like group of people and they were all kind of doing their thing with the camera. And it's like, it looks bizarre and it looks like <laughs> decorate you know the, the like the, the crumbling of society <laughs> yeah well i mean i i, I would imagine that it, it also, like man and machine it's like become one but it's know? also it make with that type of society it makes it more difficult to connect with things right are, like i agree art. i agree you know like everyone goes to winwood because there's a lot of cool shit on the walls but do they understand what that shit means and then they want to jump in front of it like right I was here. And, and even further, and, and I think that there's probably some of this in food, not only do they understand what that shit means, but does the fact that that's how people are engaging with things yeah. affect what people are creating? Are people then, does it go to the point that people create things just to satisfy oh, yeah. the market of people? Oh, that's that's always been Not the all the shit in Wynwood has that deep. Some of the shit in Wynwood is about people posing in front of it for Instagram. Yeah. There's definitely artists that uh, cater to that kind of viral nature of things and burrito i don't yeah 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 i mean i don't know does burrito really like connect with like the photo i don't know but i mean his thing like that thing worked and then you just double down right right right. and it just like it became i mean it is very instagram yeah i mean there's uh there's people that definitely run with those things that work and that is kind of like mass pop culture thing and um, it's kind of what, wherever you want to go. But again, I don't, I don't really, I don't connect with that work anyway. Like I, I can, I can, I can look at it, but I, I just, I love, love feeling a painting and the color and the, the, the shapes and, you know, the shade. And there's so many things that you can really just pick up from just a, a wonderful painting. Yeah. I mean, food is an experience yeah. to me. I understand what you mean. So, like, I want to be able to connect with the whole thing, the space, the music, the yeah. food, the, uh, you know, it's a lot. It's a lot. Oh, man, this has been great. Ready for the wind down? <laughs> yeah, I think it's time. Yeah. All right, so this is where we do our wind down. We always uh, end with parting recommendations and then shameless plugs. Kiki, you can go first or kick it off to one of what, us. What am I doing? Parting recommendations. So this is where people, we recommend to people listening anything at all. It could be a book, a, an artist. A movie, a dish, as long as it's not yours, because then we'll do our shameless plug later where you okay. can tell people where to find your stuff. Okay, okay. So you can start, or you can have one of us lead to give yourself a little more time. Uh, I, I, I recommend, I, I don't know. Okay, recommend I'll, a thing, man. I'll, I'll, I'll Whatever, kick, I don't know. You, want, you ate a good cookie. I'll kick things off. I'll right. kick things off. You and, have and, things? Uh, huh? You have things. I have right? three things, and two okay, of them are man. two of them are things of yours. So relax. Oh, okay, I know I you like that. Nick's I know you things. like that. <laughs> so one parting recommendation that is not Mike's is inspirobot.me, uh, which actually connects a little bit to things we've talked about. Uh, it's inspirobot.me. This is uh, at least the way that it builds itself a an artificial intelligence that automatically generates. Totally bullshit inspirational quotes in <laughs> memeable, Instagrammable square images. Uh, and I've been, for a little while, putting out one a day. 
just as my own. Oh, is that that's what you're doing? All that ridiculous shit that you've seen is just completely. I really thought you were turning a corner. I had turned no corners. Got it. <laughs> I have evolved zero percent in the last two, couple of weeks since I started doing that. Got it. They're all from inspirobot.me. Uh, like one of them, for example, I think was like where orgasms live, inspiration dies. It's just totally <laughs> fucking bullshit, and it's like next to a picture of a scuba diver. Um, so that's one. Now my other two recommendations are one dish. That it only occurred to me to recommend because it came up here, and another that I have for the first time right now, uh, the snapper dish. There's only one snapper dish. Yes, it is, and I'm not going to pretend that I go around eating all the fish. Maybe the best fish thing that I've had anywhere. Like I have not recommended a fish thing to people that I had it, and I've eaten all your things. I recommend some things that, like, I made it a point. Like anybody that. We even came within sniffing distance of Ariette as a conversation topic. I was like, go eat the snapper thing. So eat the snapper thing at Ariette. Um, you're welcome to describe it. I'm not going to bother because I'll butcher the description of the thing. Do you want me to describe it? You can. Sure. All right. So it's a uh, scallion velute with um, fish head, brandade, and to- fennel tomato jam raviolis with a wood-grilled portion of snapper that's finished with lemon juice and salt. There you go. It's awesome. I love snapper. On top of the raviolis, there's preserved lemon and watercress. Very good. So the thing that I just had for the first time now, mainly because I've heard it referenced so much and, uh, and all it was the uh, the Miami Farmer. Ah. Um, so had that. Enjoyed it. It was a very good, like, I don't really want to have a big, heavy thing right now before this podcast and the thing and... It's like uh, a very fancy crudite. Yes. Yeah, that's a good... Uh, it would. Yeah, I mean... It's a vegetable salad, technically, right, right, right. but it's like it's arranged like a really fancy patch of... Right. It's called the Miami Farmer. It's, it looks like a patch of a farm. Yeah. Oh, wow. And it, stu- it, it stood out to me in part because, I mean, I ate... I ordered it because it was like... I've never had it. I've heard it referenced. And the fact that it's all Miami farmers, right? Or Miami yeah. farms. It all comes from local Miami farms. That really was what drew me to it. And I think it's a good example of like... The how having background knowledge of the thing that you're consuming, whether it's visually or in food form or whatever, how that affects your experience of the thing. Because honestly, like if I had gone anywhere else and it would never occur to me to order that. And if it was put in front of me, I'd be like, not that I would be unimpressed because it was very good, but I wouldn't have connected with it the way that I did. Right. Right. Because there's a story and now I'm engaged on this whole other level. Yeah. That draws me to it where, like, otherwise... I love, I love like, you know, we'll get random people and just be like, you know, I'm just really not into that as a salad. And I'm just like, you know, <laughs> I don't know what to tell you about that. It's a bunch of, like, beautifully arranged vegetables right. that are all just cooked. They're all local. I, I mean, it's really not that complex. It's, right. it's a no, vegetable it's salad. Yeah. What is it? Whipped whipped goat cheese. <laughs> yeah, uh, the idea is that onions. the whipped goat cheese on the bottom is whipped with the vinaigrette, so it's supposed to be like a scooper. You have a piece of vegetable with the actual vinaigrette underneath it, and then on top is a dirt made of burnt onions and charcoal. Yeah, and that's just you know supposed to represent dirt. Supposed to represent. I mean, that's what it is. <laughs> dirt. Uh, so yeah, I was very into that. If you happen to be in the Miami area, I imagine that's like a very seasonal thing. Yeah, I mean it, it'll end soon, probably within the next like 
90 days maybe. Okay. Man, so we'll be but, lucky if we get another 90 days out of it maybe. By the I don't time know. You weather's hear been this, really good. So yeah. uh, if we don't get some kind of rain soon, we may start hurting a little bit. But, you know. So by the time you hear this, it, it should still be around. Yeah. You should come. The and snapper will still be there. Snapper will still be there. You want me to tell people the story of the snapper? Oh, go for it. I know. This will be my party recommendation then. Um, the snapper dish really like came to light. Like the whole idea started, I would say, like 10 years ago. We used to have this Haitian butcher. Uh, his name was Fan Fan. Fan Fan Noel. He worked for Norman for like 20 years. That's how I met Fan Fan. And he would butcher all the fish. And then he would take all the heads and he would keep all the heads. And he would sell all the heads to all his Haitian friends. And I was like, can you tell me why you're keeping all these heads? And he's like, oh, blah, because it has the best meat and blah, blah, this and that. And I was like, so what are you doing? He's like, <clears throat> we make a fish head stew. I was like, can you make me the fish head stew? He said, sure. So he made us the fish head stew one day for family meal. We ate the fish head stew. It was fucking delicious. So that shit always like stuck with me. So I would say like three plus years ago at Ariette, we were going through a lot of fish. I don't. We had two fish dishes on the menu at that time. I couldn't tell you what they are. And we had a lot of like collars and fish heads and whatever. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to do like a Haitian style fish head stew and put it on the menu. And it was delicious. Nobody bought it. But one day we had a uh, big food writer, which is one of the one in the country that I one of the ones in the country I very much respect. His name is Tom Sistema from um, the Washington Post, right? I think so. I think it's Washington Post. And um, he he came in and we were like, I was working lunch alone. Oh wow, alone. But we were dead. It was like a torrential downpour that day. And I didn't know he was there, um, but, you know, I had just changed the menu a little bit, whatever. I did some things. The fish head stew was on the menu, and he ordered, like, really interesting. We had, like, head cheese pastelitos on the menu with fish sauce caramel. We had um, the uh, Haitian fish stew, and then I don't remember what else he got. But those two dishes wow. stuck out to me because I loved them. That the, the head cheese pastelito was the beginning of pastelito papi. And oh, then, nice. And then the fish head stew ended up being so then fast forward to post covid or during covid and we're like heavy menu planning um long story short about the fish heads too at that time is no one bought it so i took it off the menu so fast forward to like post uh to like during covid time chef manny which is chef cuisine of Ariette, and i are like you know coming with new menu stuff and i always was fascinated by uh the semi-cooked salmon with a watercress velouté by Michel Toigras. And it's like very classic French or whatever. It's like, how can we make this like more of a Miami thing? So we're like, all right, let's grill snapper. We grilled snapper because we have a wood grill, so it would be delicious. And then we did that. And the sauce, Chef Manny made the sauce, came up with the sauce. It was amazing. It worked out very well. And, um, and then we had this idea of like adding this like tomato jam to it and it was like it was a little clunky and it it's kind of didn't make sense and so I, I i kept on thinking about it and i was like man so then we had we had butchered a bunch of snapper and they were just like sitting there and i was like what if what if we braise the snapper heads in like a fennel tomato jam and make kind of like a, a haitian stew with it and then make it very thick he's like that's cool then what do we do i was like well let's just put in ravioli and he was like <laughs> That's a little weird. I'm like, yeah, it's cool. Listen, Thomas Keller does ravioli with black cod, so I'm okay with it. Yeah. So we did it, and it was like 
really fucking good, man. And it was really good. And this, three years later, I figured out how to get people to buy Haitian fish head stew. <laughs> it just took me three That's years. That's incredible. Wow. And now it's like, I don't know, top three seller on the menu. Really? Yeah. Because if people ask, like, can can we not do the ravioli and do something else, I tell them no. Really? Oh, yeah. Fuck that. No, no. Can we get fries and stuff? No. <laughs> and, and it's one of those things that I think a lot of people are probably just turned off by the words fish, fish head. Yeah. Like when I ate here with uh, with Ricardo, Ricardo, and I was shocked that he of all people who has experienced so many things, I thought, but I guess food is the one area where he's a little less adventurous. And I was like, I'm going to order it. Like, I'm going to give you a, and he wouldn't take the ravioli. No. I was shocked. I was like, this like it, I I thought that he would be the guy like whatever I have some poetic reference to make about why I'll why I'll eat anything you know and, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah but I mean I I don't know that I'd ever had a fish head stew and I certainly didn't know that, that was where the ravioli came from and if you gave that ravioli to anybody without telling them it was fish head stew it wouldn't even occur to them like yeah who, who the fuck knows what a fish head stew could taste like or how many people can like distinguish it. between that i personally prefer the fish heads too the way that we did it three years ago yeah but this was a good way this was a concession sure. yeah and it so, worked and it's a beautiful dish is that it your is. parting recommendation um you know i know we just did we recorded yesterday with ike so <laughs> you might not have yeah i mean know. parting recommendations not really oh, okay I recommend that everyone goes and uses StarChefs.com. I I was fortunate to be named one of StarChefs Rising Stars. Uh, we just did uh, congratulations, uh, StarChef Rising Star. Um, we just did this like really cool dinner on Monday at Mame with Chef Neven and Chef Josh. It was very cool. The food was delicious. You know, very happy to see everyone in one place. Kind of like you know, taking a night off essentially. Um, you know, all the mentors, Chef Norman was my mentor. He said some very nice things to me. He said that I am the Bruce Springsteen of Miami Dining, which I'm going to put on my tombstone whenever that happens because <laughs> I love the boss very much, which he didn't even know. Shout out to Bruce Springsteen, the Shout Michael Beltran of New Jersey Rock and Roll. Yeah, you're welcome, Bruce. You're welcome. <laughs> um, and it was just cool to see, and I think Star Chefs in this whole process has really done like uh, a pretty incredible job of staying true to like what they stand for and what they do. And, um, it's, it's impressive, I think, you know, and like, you don't see a lot of publications that stick with like, we're going to really represent the kitchen and we're going to do what we can for the kitchen and the restaurant in total. But like, it was cool to see. And I enjoyed my experience that night. I just like to note, by the way, that, uh, Norman Van Aken shared a picture of the two of you yeah, and noted like, you know, he's the Bruce Springsteen, whatever he was born to run. When I asked you, what does that mean? He goes, Mike tells me, man, I don't know. I, I just took it. I guess it means I'm dancing in the dark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You also put like a Louis Armstrong reference in there. There you go. Norman is, he's such a amazing guy. For sure. Yeah. All right. Kiki, do you have any parting recommendations for the people? Could literally be any, and it doesn't have to be new. It could be anything at all. Like, hey, you should check X or also X, Y, and Z out. As many as you want. Uh, parting ways. Book book you read, painting that you're like. Hey, yeah, whatever, man. Painting, it could be whatever. It, look at it. Um, whatever. I'm uh, like I'm really drawing a, a blank. 
and by the way, we can cut for time if you want to. No, no, it's fine. I'm just like I don't, I don't. I'm like thinking of like our parting it? recommendations are Abuela Maria coffee. Uh, <laughs> you could find that at all the Milams. Abuela Mami. Abuela yeah. Mami. Sorry, my bad. Uh, Abuela Mami coffee. You could find it at all your local Milams here in so Miami. I'm not well, no, there's, I, there's time for shameless plugs. So, uh, shout out. What is it? Uh, uh parting ways. Uh, check out Burger Beast. Oh Burger man, Beast. what does he, he think? Ta- of, he just texts me like four times. He calls me. Really? He calls yeah. me like once a week. Does he? He just because I sent him this like really old ad for Taco Bell that I saw on the Twitter, oh, and man. and he <laughs> that must have been three weeks ago. Maybe I don't. Maybe I'm maybe I'm exaggerating, but he just sent me. He's like so. I'm sick, and I found the original ad, and here's the original ad, and he goes, this guy goes through this whole thing. I was like, man, you're crazy, man. Yeah. You're the best. Apologies to Burger Beast, by the way. I told him that I would come see him at the museum, uh, and I haven't made it out. Wow. But uh, who knows? Maybe by the time this is out, I will have gone and seen Burger Beast, because Burger Beast and I have plans. <laughs> okay. Yeah, there are plans. Yeah, he, uh, he calls me like once a week. Yeah. And like he, we just chop it up. So go to his Old website. School, Wait, West the museum's open? No, but he's there often, like, inventorying and oh, yeah. he he's just, selling a lot of stuff. He re-inventories his inventory all the time. Yeah, yeah. So, so shout out he's got to a spring uh, sale. Yeah. Parting so shout out to him. And his book, Burger Beast. Uh, I have his book. All about the burger. I have a signed copy. <laughs> That's I have a copy. Money. It's not signed. I, I yeah. paid money for it on have, Amazon. Me too, on the a, Amazon. I have one of his old school aprons that he's trying to get back from me. Oh, I just man. bought a bunch of his spring sale stuff. He's trying to get it back? He's. You can talk about that with him. No, whenever he's around, it's a shit yeah. show. We, there's no direction to those conversations. <laughs> I love how much shit Burger Beast has gotten when, like, eh, all the podcasts are a shit show. Not right. We've had some really no, good No, this was actually this. a super high-quality podcast. Was it really? Oh, man. I, yeah. I, no I, I have no idea. Like, No, this was great. Okay. Yeah. This was... But you chop it up, right? Oh, no. Chop it up. Chop it up. No. There's no, no chopping. I don't have time to chop. I mean, I he's no hot day for hire, but, man. Oh, hot day for hire.com. <laughs> Parting recommendation, hot day for hire.com. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not around anymore, but I'm sure I, I get the sense that if you DM Ike Shahada about a hot date, he'll entertain the idea. Maybe. Uh, maybe he'll wear stilts. Uh, shameless plugs. Tell everybody where they can find you and your stuff, all of the art and the coffee and the care packages, all the stuff. Shameless plug away. Uh, I mean, you can find me on social media. It's just Kiki Valdez, V-A-L-D-E-S. Um, I'm pretty... Um, you can find me on all social networks. Um, pretty accessible. Uh, I respond if you write. Oh, yeah? <laughs> yes, I do. Um, yeah, and then we got the coffee. It's just awelamamicoffee.com. Uh, the, the subscription boxes is awelamami.com. You can find our coffee at Milam's. Or, you know, we ship to all, all the states. And this is Spanish mommy, not M-O-M-M-Y. No. M-A-M-I. No, I'm not. Mommy. <laughs> Everyone pronounces it different, but it's Baby. Milam's. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's been great. I'm awesome. Great being here. I'm really excited to awesome. have dinner soon. Oh, for sure. You know people, man. Just send a text. There you go. <laughs> send it. All right. Awesome. Shameless plugs? All the things. All the things. Just insert. Insert. The thing that has no shameless plugs is just you saying all the things. Oh. All the things. All the things. I still got to recommend all my shit. I mean, we've, we've done this 80 do times you already. Guys, nah, whatever. Yeah, all the things. All the things. No, <laughs> who knows? Maybe people are more plus Maybe people need? are coming here for the first time. But you know what? Fuck you. All the things. All the things. At this point, just all the things. All the, it's good.
There you go. And finally, Bang Gong Podcast. Uh, you can find us on... Yeah. I have a shameless plug. Oh, shameless plug. Yeah, I mean, I think we previously spoke about it on a podcast that I think just aired about me doing a dinner for the South Beach Food and Wine Festival. Maybe. Yes. Anyways. We spoke about it with uh, with uh, Alex Lucci and Alex. Which I will yeah. not be doing that dinner anymore. Right. Uh, when is this dinner supposed to be? May 20th. Okay. Yeah, this might be like on the borderline of... Too soon? No, like it might... This It's possible this will... No, sorry. We're in April. This will come out before. So we will be doing our first uh, Versos dinner May 20th. Uh, we're looking at 10 or 12 courses, $145 a person, plus a wine pairing. Uh, we, are, we will only be selling 44 seats, I believe, after we plotted uh, the floor plan the other day. Uh, we are shooting for this to be our most special yet. Um, we also are looking at doing a collaboration night with uh, Ariette and Tobacco Road with our good friend Kush doing a after party of that weird festival that happens in South Beach but having all the good things down on the mainland uh, which would be on a Sunday night uh, Ariette at Tobacco Road I'm not coming if the captain won't be there the captain will be there Ooh. captain will be there nice. we'll talk to Kush to see if we can get him out yeah he, he, he knows the captain yeah he well. does um, also by the way, if you come out to that Versos dinner, uh, you know, come extra Cuban. It's Cuban Independence Day. It is Cuban Independence Day. 20 de Mayo. It's a very, very important day. Very important Absolutely. day in Cubanness. In uh, Cubanisms. Uh, so, Pancom Podcast on all the social media things. If you want to support what we're doing around here, patreon.com slash datemag, D-A-D-E-M-A-G. Some people get mugs. Also, Patreon has added new functionality. Whoa. By the time this comes out, there will be a new tier that you can join where you will not only get a mug, but you'll get a different mug every three months. Wow. wow. Things are getting serious. <laughs> but, I mean, what would be on the other mug? The Dade logo. Maybe a picture of Petey. No, I think it should, no one cares about the Dade logo. It should be the picture of Petey. Picture of Petey. Well, but we need four mugs. You get them every three months. That's a good point. There would be another mug where it's just like a, a super close-up pattern of Mike's... Uh, Cornrows. That's a good one. Yeah. So it's a good one. All kinds of stuff is happening. There will be mugs. I don't know what the mugs will look like, but there will be mugs. Um, and finally, sort of shameless plug, semi ad. Thanks again to Aganor Salif for hooking us up with these Guardian of the Farm they cigars. Guardian of the Farm. We're running low on Guardian of the Farm, but we're okay because they hooked us up with other cigars. We got other stuff. We're going to be smoking other wow, stuff Aganorsa, soon. Aganorsa, thank you so Aganorsa, much for keeping us going. Stop talking about them. They didn't pay that much. <laughs> uh, so, if you're a Patreon person, you're going to hear the lightning round. This is where the lightning round begins. Thank you, Kiki, for My joining pleasure, us. Yeah, awesome. Thank you, Mike. Everyone should hear the next segment. Just give us all your money. Here. Give us all your money, I'm people. I'm still shocked that I'm here.